Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello. This podcast can definitely help your English a lot, especially your listening skills. But it will work best if you're also working on other areas like speaking skills. And you can do that by having conversations on italki, the sponsor of this episode. To get started with italki, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash talk and check out a lot of the English teachers and native speakers available there. They are ready and waiting to speak to you, to listen to you and to help you learn English. And another cool thing is that because you're a Lepster, because you listen to this podcast, italki will give you a voucher for a free lesson when you buy some talking time. To get that offer, visit teacherluke.co.uk slash talk or click an italki logo on my site. Any questions that you have, just feel free to contact me via my website. Okay, so here is a new episode. Let's start the jingle now. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, everybody. Here is the second part of my conversation with my friend Moz that was recorded a few weeks ago. After talking about murder in the last episode, Moz and I kept talking for about another 45 minutes, just rambling on, and going off on a few tangents, and you can listen to that conversation in this episode as part of your ongoing mission to improve your English by listening to real conversations that actually happened between actual people who actually said some actual things and actually recorded them and uploaded them for you to actually listen to. So here are some of the things that we actually talked about, and I've written these in the form of some questions. So here are some of the things that we talked about. Um, what goes into making and publishing a podcast? Who is my audience and where are they? That's you, by the way. Who are you and where are you? Uh, what's it like to meet members of my audience? What's the difference between doing audio podcasts and making videos for YouTube? Should native speakers adapt their speech when talking to non-native speakers of English? Does the word cack in English relate to similar words in other languages? What does the word cack actually mean? It means poo, by the way. Yeah. How much of our personal information should we be sharing online? How much of my personal information should I be sharing in episodes of this podcast? Should you post pictures of your children on social media? What are the effects of social media and artificial intelligence on our lives? And how might this change in the future? How could you fight against a robot invasion using an umbrella and software updates? And how much do we hate mosquitoes? And what happens when you kill them? And how can you identify different drug addicts that you might meet on the streets of London just based on how they smell. 
So I think they all sound like perfectly good questions for discussion, don't you? I can even imagine some of those questions cropping up in the speaking section of a Cambridge English exam. Some of them, maybe not the one about CAC or the one about uh, drug addicts, but who knows? So anyway, you can listen on to find out how we talk about all of those things. If you're a vocabulary hunter, check out the page for this episode on my website, because there you will find a list of words and phrases that come up in this conversation. That list is available in order to help you to use this episode to expand your vocabulary and to develop a more natural form of English. Uh, There is a bit of rude language and some slightly graphic content in this conversation, just letting you know. But now it's time for you to actually hear the rest of my actual chat with the actual Moz. And here we go. English. 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 Yes. English. 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 This, I've been doing it for uh, nearly eight and a half years. That that was before podcasting was invented. Was it? <laughs> I don't think it was. I think you invented podcasting. <laughs> I think podcasting really first started, as far as I remember, in around 2006. Do you remember the Ricky Gervais podcast? Oh, yes. Did you, did you used to listen to that? Yeah, a little bit. Him and Carl Pilkington and Stephen Merchant, they, they were probably the one of the first uh, podcasts that was really famous. And I think that was 2005, 2006. Wow. Something like that. Blimey. Um, so that's that was the first real wave of podcasting. And then it kind of went away again. And then it came back big time in around 2014. Maybe a little earlier than that too. But 2014, I think, is when Serial arrived. I love Serial. Yeah, that that was a huge hit um, with people who didn't normally listen to podcasts. Yeah. That was a true crime podcast that came from the, the United States. And um, so that was a huge hit. But um, 2009 was kind of, yeah, pretty early, I would say. There, there are loads of podcasts now that have come out in the last three or four years. Yes. But um, yeah, I've been doing this one since two, uh, Easter 2009. Yeah. Wow. Mm. And and have you given yourself a rest or do you just keep going? There were some periods um in the uh, in the first couple of years where I kind of just the insp- you know I just would leave it for ages. I remember there was maybe something like 3 months at one point what? where I didn't do anything. Yeah. I mean it's been a long time. And it's like back in the early days I think uh, there was a period uh, within the, some at some point before the first 100 episodes had been done I would uh, uh, at one point I was just like I had ideas and stuff but I I just for some reason couldn't quite find the motivation to get up switch on the microphone and start talking and I instead I'd be sitting there you know like reading a book or whatever and I'd be like oh I should do a podcast and then I'd just look at the microphone I'd be like nope (laughs) nope it's not happening I don't know why it's not going to happen today and that lasted three months and then it then it came back these days I think I'm a lot more sort of devoted to it than than I used to be. I mean, like in the early days, 
uh, I mean, uh, you know, my audience has grown, you know, a lot yes. uh, over the over that eight year period. And in the early days when I didn't have so many people listening, it wasn't such a big deal for me. And, and so I didn't always uh, feel obliged to do it. And, you know, it's when the inspiration struck me these days, I try to be a bit more sort of organized and rigorous about it so that I can make sure I, I, I put stuff up um, on a regular basis. Yeah, but no, generally, um, I haven't taken a proper break, not an official break, no. And, uh, you, you've, you're getting good good numbers as well. Yeah, 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 pretty good numbers. I mean, not as good as I would get on YouTube these days. I mean, uh, to be honest, it's all about YouTube, really. I mean, there are some uh, English teachers on YouTube who are getting phenomenal um, uh, views, uh, for example, someone like English with Lucy, who is this sort of attractive young English Ooh. girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's very, uh, she's very appealing. Like- she's very appealing on the videos. Uh, and she's very good, you know, and uh, she seems to be giving people exactly what they want on YouTube. And so right. she's getting, you know, like hundreds of thousands of views on her videos. And there are also, you know, various sort of young, hip um uh, fresh-faced uh, YouTubers uh, doing English lessons and they're doing very well. So, I mean, I'm sticking with podcasting because it works for me and I, I like the fact that yes. with audio, uh, I, I could be a lot more productive with audio than I can with video. With video, it's just, there are so many other factors that make mm. it difficult. I mean, I, I have to say that I'm very impressed by a lot of the young, I, look at, listen to me talking about young people. <laughs> Does this mean I've, I'm getting? Yeah, I suppose I'm sort of young. It's all it's yes. all about perspective, isn't it? <laughs> ish, ish. Yeah. Anyway, new. I should say. You know, uh, I'm impressed by the new YouTubers who manage to produce really good-looking content. I mean, the video quality is great, um, and you know they're doing doing some really good stuff. Um, but I guess I, it's technology, isn't it? Because technology has moved on so fast that we can do all this yeah, ourselves. Yeah. I mean, you know, to do good YouTube videos, you need a decent uh, digital SLR camera with a with a you know some sort of um, a boom microphone attached to it, and some uh, and a nice space like a, 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 a nice location for doing your videos and the right kind of lighting, and then some editing software and loads of time, and um, and those are the ingredients basically. And obviously, you need a good person. You need the the, the presentation skills and you need to look good on video and, and, and that kind of thing. And, and those are generally the ingredients for making a hit YouTube channel, especially for learning English. Yeah. Um, but I find audio is still the thing that I come back to because um, it's a lot. I can be much faster on, on audio. I don't have to worry about the large file sizes of video, yeah. which are a real pain to edit and to process. It just takes ages. With audio, I can edit. I can um, process the the audio files really quite quickly. I don't have to worry about what I look like uh, when I'm <laughs> recording. You know, I can just you know wear some old t shirt, or I can wear the same clothes I'm wearing at work that day. It, I'm wearing my pajamas. You, uh, exactly, you can do it in your pajamas. No <laughs> one knows. No one really cares. Um, <laughs> And uh, and it's so it's much more convenient and allows me to be a lot more productive. Um, so I'm sticking with the. I should probably be doing YouTube videos, Moz, but um, sticking with audio because that yeah. that works for me. Can I ask? Uh, you very kindly pointed me towards Libsyn. Yeah. Which I'm now. So Libsyn is my hosting site, mm-hmm. which is all very good, and I'm about to 
sign up with iTunes, which is obviously essential to get your podcast out there into the world. Yeah. Anything else that you would recommend that is a good way of pushing your podcast out there? I, I see that you use Audio Boom, don't you? No, I used to use Audio Boom, but I recently changed to Libsyn as well. I, I moved to Libsyn, um, when was it? I guess at the beginning of May this year. Yeah. because of various reasons and that's working out pretty well for me i mean it was complicated because i've got you know over 450 episodes so i had to replace uh, yeah i had to replace all of the embedded players on my website all of the download links a hell of a lot of stuff that had to be done as, as a result of that also another thing i've noticed is that audio boom's statistics and libsyn's uh, statistics are a bit different and i think it's the way that libsyn calculate their statistics and they have various different filters that they apply to the data um, okay so you know it's very i think it's quite complicated to work out exactly how many people are downloading your stuff and where they're downloading it and um you know when you consider that the internet is basically this n- huge network with all these different um uh, uh um i guess substations where you know the internet connection goes through particular substations a lot of my stats i look at my stats these days with libsyn and a lot of them come uh from virginia in the united states okay yeah that's one of my biggest uh um uh like geographical locations for audience and you know I, i'm uh, in oshkosh wisconsin really yeah well, I mean, I would kind of understand that because maybe in Wisconsin they they love murder. You know it, that that might be the case. The home of Ed Gein, the murderer. So right. Well, you know, they maybe in Wisconsin they just have a particular fascination with that kind of thing. You know, but um, it would surprise me if uh, all these people in Virginia are so interested in in either a learning English or b just me as a person. Mm. And, you know, I was scratching my head thinking, what is it? Are the, is it Langley, Virginia? Is it the CIA that are listening? Is it, yeah. are, are they really focusing on me? Am I the guy that they need to be uh, paying attention to? I don't think so. <laughs> and then, you know, someone wrote to me saying, no, it's because, you know, a lot of servers, a lot of Internet servers are based in, in that part of the, America. You know, a lot of the Internet goes through America. And oh, I think right. because Libsyn, their servers are somewhere in the United States. And so probably there's some sort of internet substation or routing station in Virginia. And if people are using like VPNs, you know, um, proxy servers or whatever to access my content, then maybe that counts as coming from Virginia. Or maybe uh, some countries drag their internet uh, from uh, the US. You know, it goes through the US before it goes to some countries maybe and so that counts on my statistics as coming from america so i don't know to an extent you know these days i'm just trying to uh use an element of skepticism when i read my stats yes you know i can't i can't really know i don't really know how many people are listening and i'm i actually know for certain that there are lots of people listening to my podcast who aren't downloading it from my RSS feed. They're actually getting it from some kind of BitTorrenting site because my podcast has been put up on various different BitTorrent uh, sites uh, by people from various countries. And so, you know, I don't know. No idea how many people are really listening. I tell you what, a good way to work out how many listeners you actually get. If all of Luke's listeners could send him an email today, that would be great. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, again, I, I often do that. But uh, I often make these requests for, for my uh, listeners to get in touch with me because the vast majority of the people who listen to my podcast are what I call ninjas. 
they're 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 just sort of hiding in the shadows, listening, just uh, never actually coming into the into plain view. So I just most the vast majority of them are just ninjas and every now and then someone comes out of the woodwork and goes oh i've decided to stop being a ninja and i thought i'd let get in touch with you they leave me one message and then gone again forever um and they all seem really nice i've met quite a few of them and they all everyone i've met on my tour who listens to your podcast are really lovely yeah i I, i've noticed that too that the, the again the vast majority of people who listen to this are seem to be really nice sweet people which is uh which is good which is also encouraging you know it just makes you realize that everyone's just basically there are lovely people all over the world doesn't matter where you come from um you know and and so that's nice um love what you do as well they really love your podcast yeah yeah they seem to right yeah that's nice do do you find that a weird thing that at any point in the world someone somewhere is listening to your podcast yeah i do yeah (laughs) i do (laughs) yeah yeah of course yeah yeah i've thought about that idea that uh there are these people all over the world listening to it yeah yeah, it's it's uh, Weird, it's it? mostly brilliant that idea. Mostly brilliant because it just yeah. I mean, it's I don't know. I don't know quite what I should think really as a result of that. You know, what do you think? What should should that change the way I no I think about my life or anything? You, you, it it makes you like Lennon and McCartney. You, you're like the Beatles of podcasting. <laughs> more and more it seems to be happening that for example people come to the school where i work yeah like not long ago i was interviewing someone um for a position in in one of our classes at the british council because we do that you know people come in they want to take lessons so we interview them to find out their language level and to put them in the right place and stuff and i was talking to one woman and she was saying and i was like saying so you know what do you do to improve your English on your own. And she was saying, well, I watch TV shows and DVDs and things. And also, uh, I listen to podcasts. And actually, um, I, uh, I, I, um, I listened to uh, one call. And I was like, yeah, what's it called? She was like, it's called Luke's English Podcast. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've, I know, I've heard of it. And um, and she was like, and and, and 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 actually, are you, are you, you know? And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's me, yeah. And she's like, really? That's you? And I was like, yeah, that, yeah, that's me. Did you pull out a pen and give her an autograph? Uh, no, I didn't. But I just, I don't know. It's, I don't know quite how I should react because I don't think I should yeah. be going. Yes, that's me. I am the world famous <laughs> Luke. Let me give you an autograph that you haven't asked for. You know, I don't want to be like like yeah. that. Generally, I'm just like, wow, cool, great. You like the podcast? That I'm really happy to hear that. Thanks a lot for listening. And and also, just a few months ago, I was teaching um, the first day of a class, and I was talking to my students, and uh, one thing we do on day one is that we show our students a little PowerPoint presentation, and in that, one of the pages is like some tips that you can do to improve your English outside class, and one of the tips is, you know, listen to podcasts. And I said, do any of you listen to podcasts for learning English? And this one girl um, from Chile who happened to be at the British Council in Paris, she was like, yes, I listened to a podcast. And actually, I, 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 uh, are you Luke from Luke's English Podcast? And I was like, uh, yes, yes, I am. That's me. Uh, and she was like, I listened to your podcast. And, and she turned to the class and, and like, it was really sweet. She turned to the class and she said, I have to say, his podcast is, is really good. And she turned back to me and she said, I just want to thank you so much. 
uh, because oh, your wow. podcast has helped me so much with my English. And her English was good as well. That was the cool thing. You know, she was good. And she, like, in the lessons, she kept coming up with the right answers. She knew all this vocab that the other students didn't know. And I was like, just, just out of interest, how do you know all this English that uh, all the others don't know? <laughs> just curious. And she was like, oh, well, it's because I listen to your podcast, of course. I was like, ah, oh, okay. You know, just looking at everyone else. Ah, interesting that, isn't it? That uh, yeah. she knows all the English and you guys don't. And she listens. <laughs> Coincidence that she also listens to Luke's English podcast. <coughs> You know. Gold star. Uh, I, have to, I have to say, having um, done a couple of podcasts with you, it's actually helped me on doing Murder Mile tours. Really? Because I think, like on this episode, we haven't, we've only explained words like rutting, <laughs> which I think to, even to most people who speak English full time, rutting is not a word that you would use on a regular basis. But I found that with my tours, because I get a lot of people from different countries now, I've actually changed my script. Mm. I've taken a lot of, like, I used to have the word whittle okay. in my tour. Which means? A whittle. You know what? I'm, I'm pretty sure we had this one in the last in the last time we talked about this but go on do it again a whittle is basically a verb uh it's like you get a piece of wood and you slowly etch away little pieces of uh pieces of wood to turn it into something else else and that basically whittling means to take something down to its finer point so you've got a piece a little uh, stick of wood in in your left hand you've got a knife in your right hand and you're cutting away at the at the wood until you get something often it's like a sharp point yeah, That's often what, what people whittle a stick down to a, a, a spike or something. But you can also whittle a stick into another shape. But it means like, yeah, cutting something down, removing bits, cutting it down until it becomes something else. So whittling something down. And you do that with evidence, right, in a crime investigation. Mm-hmm. You, Absolutely. You, you have all of the information and you, you remove the stuff that's not relevant. You whittle the evidence down until you're left with the, let's say, the bare, the bare bo- bones. The bare bones, exactly. The bare bones of the case, which yeah. often will, you know, tell you who did it and what Or shopping trolley. <laughs> or in this case, a shopping, you're left with yeah. a shopping trolley. Uh, with but it's really useful speaking to all of your uh, listeners who come on my tour. I actually have a good conversation with them as we go around. And I do say, is there anything you don't understand? And all of them have been great. And whether that is because they listen to your podcast, and as you say, because we go through a lot of different discussions about different aspects of english language spoken by english speakers i think they understand absolutely everything that happens on the tour yeah oh, great so it's but it's helped it's helped me work out what you know those kind of phrases that really only english people use yes so i mean we you know the english is a global language there's there's there are various types of english right uh there's there's uh, the global English, which the international community uses, and then there's English that English people use or you know, <laughs> British people use. Yeah. And so the mistake that many uh, native English speakers make is that they assume that the English that they use on a daily basis is the universal English that everyone is attempting to use out there in the world. And it's not. It's a, you know, English people, I think, if they're talking to non-native speakers, they bear a lot of responsibility uh, to adapt their English, not like speak really slowly or, you know, do what they call foreigner talk, 
which is like me go market what time you know not that kind of thing but english people have got to understand that um certain things like certain idiomatic phrases or certain aspects of our pronunciation make it really hard it's a barrier to to yeah. uh you know the global community and i think that you know it would do uh, brits a lot of good to bear that in mind um i think it would help that the, the communications are two-way street and uh it can be very very hard for non-native speakers to understand british people because british people have got no idea how difficult they are to 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 understand you know? i've just i've just come away from um dog sitting for my brother dog my bro- dog, dog sitting Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yes. So, instead of house-sitting, I was looking after two dogs. Okay, or babysitting. In this case, it was a dog. So, two dogs. <laughs> and uh, I, so, I went back to my hometown, which is Birmingham, where I was born and raised. So, that's in, in the middle of the... kind of south of the middle of the U- United Kingdom. Uh-huh. And I've lived in London for about 20 years. So, I'm used to hearing different accents and voices and, you know... W- ways of speaking and quite often i can hear a voice i can go okay they're albanian they're nigerian i can really work it out i'm getting quite good now yeah even on my tours people turn up and i can go oh you're from um you're from virginia you must own a server in virginia (laughs) which is downloading luke's podcast you've clearly been listening to luke's yeah you're gonna all all of your all of the people on your tour are going to be from virginia now yeah that'll be it (laughs) but uh so i'm I'm very good at learning, uh, finding out where people come from very quickly. Mm. I was in Birmingham, my hometown last week, and I heard someone talking and I went, I can't recognize that at all. I can't recognize a single word. It's not Eastern European. It's not an African language. I couldn't work it out at all. What they, They were speaking in another language. In an entire different language, and okay. I could not work it out at all. And I got nearer to them, and I listened really intensely. And they were Scottish. Then, no, they, they, they were Brummy. <laughs> they were Brummy. They were from from where I was born, but their their use of Brummy, as we call it, so Brummies are people who come from Birmingham. Yeah. Um, their Brummy was so strong, I could not understand my own language. Wow, really? Like even when you paid close attention, you still couldn't understand it. It was only when I got nearer I could right. I could grasp what she was talking about. Right. Wow, that's amazing. So yeah, so I, I can entirely sympathise with people who come to, come to Britain and they can't understand what we say half the time. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, English is an incredibly diverse language, and certainly in in the UK, the diversity is massive. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's responsibility on both sides. Obviously, people who are learning English do have a lot of you know work to do they've got to you know learn the language and they also have to try and get used to hearing the different versions of it and they can't expect everyone to just speak the way that i do and do you curb do you curb your language or the, do you hone the way that you speak for this podcast um um i think i do a bit but i'm i try not to you see i mean it's a difficult thing to get into if you start thinking about adapting your language i mean if you're recording a podcast which you want to be um un- you know listened to by an audience then of course you're going to adapt your language a bit right you're going to adapt your speech patterns a little bit just because you're presenting on a podcast mm-hmm. okay um and uh, it's a fairly uh, you know it's a fairly unnatural situation anyway i'm sitting on my own in a room 
I don't have another person in front of me and I'm just talking and I'm trying my best to try and make it engaging and, and so on. Um, mm. I don't really know anymore, Moz, if I'm, if I'm adapting my English that much. I think that this is how I normally talk. Honestly. Are you just so used to doing the podcast that this is has become very natural? I don't know. I think that. Uh, I mean, what do you think? Do you think I speak differently to? Do, do you do you think my English is weird in any way or or, or no, what? This sounds like you. Yeah. Okay. So this, this is a version that I know of you. Right. Well, I think that um, I first met you when I'd already been teaching for. Um, Let's see. I'd already been teaching for about eight years when I met you, um, been teaching English. And I think that probably my job um, meant that my English has become a little bit more uh, accent neutral, I would say. Uh, A bit. I mean, my accent... I don't know if there's such a thing as accent neutral. That's the thing, because if you open your mouth and speak, you're using an accent. I mean, my accent has become a bit more like RP or maybe it's sort of developed where I think people can understand me. But I'm really one thing I try not to do is do that foreigner talk, which is when people when they're talking to non-native speakers of English, they start to do this thing that they would not normally do, which is where they they start to reduce the amount of connected speech. So connected speech would be something like, you know, uh, what what are you thinking about at the moment? What are you thinking about at the moment? You see, all the words are connected. And mm. what, you, what I sometimes hear from people talking to non-native speakers is, uh, what are you thinking about at the moment? You know, all <laughs> the T's are included. And, you know, there's a good reason why people are doing that, because they're trying to make it more comprehensible. But also, if they're not careful, they swing too far in the other direction and it becomes unnatural. Yes. And, and, you know, non-native speakers then, as a result, all they are capable of understanding is uh, disconnected speech, you know. Uh, so, I don't know. I think it's a balancing act when I'm talking to non-native speakers. It's a balancing act between trying to be understandable um, and, on the other hand, uh, um, trying to be natural. And I think it's possible to speak naturally and yet be really clear. And, uh, and it's not necessarily about the way you pronounce it's also about the way that you deliver information, you know, and, and I think you can sort of allow, you can keep it um, understandable and natural by just trying to be a good communicator. Absolutely. Um, you know, someone like Steve Jobs, for example, everyone understands him or understood him, including non-native speakers. They find him easy to understand because he just delivers a pretty complicated message in such a simple way, keeps it short and simple. Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I keep it short or simple. <laughs> Sometimes I think I talk too much and I make it all too complicated. But I try, you know. Uh, I, I don't know. What was the question? Uh, I can't remember. Neither can I. This turned this turned into a uh, Mike's English podcast. <laughs> I, I did the interviewing for the last half an hour. <laughs> yeah, you did. Uh, I mean, if you like, we can talk more about it. You can ask me some other questions that you have, and we'll do that off the record. Um, but I think it's probably time to uh, call it a day on this one. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Thank you so much. Did you just say wee oui, wee? Oui? Wee oui, wee. Oui, I did. Okay. Oui, oui. Uh, we 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 as in the French for yes yes, but also we oui, we oui is. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. It's urine, ladies and gentlemen. We oui, we. Oui. 
Yeah. We try to do a wee wee is what this is what adults say to children. It's like a, a kid. Oh, you'll be saying that soon. I know, yeah. Wee wee. But I think in France they call it uh pee pee. Oh, do they? Yeah, so but I will be saying wee wee and uh, my child will grow up confused. Because <laughs> they will think that urinating is is called yes yes, and <laughs> they'll, going, they'll go yes. back to England and they'll they'll you know talk to other adults and they'll be like yes yes and the adult will be like good you're positive no no yes yes. What what do the French call poo poo? Uh, caca. Caca. <laughs> yeah, which I think is is quite common in in Latin sort of languages. I think caca <laughs> is a, a common word for poo. No, in various in various languages, but yeah, which doesn't mean anything in English, right? Caca doesn't. I mean, and also, yeah, it, I, I mean, cack is an English word that means poo. I wonder if we've taken that from caca. Probably, I think we probably have. I think it probably came from Latin, but we do have the word cack. <laughs> it's quite a good word, isn't it? <laughs> I wonder if it's Nordic. I know, I think it's probably uh, Latin, but it's such a short word. It sounds Germanic, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. But, I mean, I, you know, the French use it, and I think it's in, in Spanish, pretty sure, that they also do say... The French, do the French have as many words for poo that we do? Because we, the English have as many words for poo and we as the Eskimos <laughs> do for snow. <laughs> what does that tell you about our culture? <laughs> it says a lot, and yet we have one word for snow. I don't know, to be honest, because my vocab isn't rich enough. Oh, um, this really call this uh, Luke's wife's English podcast. I should. I, I need to get my wife involved in this. She's never been on the podcast. Is she not? No, because I've I've always decided to just you know keep uh, you know keep that side of things separate. You know, I have I have yeah. certain barriers. I mean, I I often worry and wonder about how much I'm revealing on the podcast. I mean, I don't know if it matters. I mean, I don't know what you think, but I I. Uh, I, I sometimes think, oh, maybe I'm telling people too much about myself and should I be giving away so much personal information? For example, I did an episode about my wedding and I told everybody, you know, what happened on my wedding day and I described the <laughs> ceremony and stuff. And I was, and then I was thinking, why am I doing this? And one of the reasons why, actually, is because so many people ask me to do it. But then I just kind of think, why am I telling everyone about the most personal private day of my life? That, you know... Uh, you know why am I doing that I mean the 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 reason I guess that I was doing it because I thought it would make an en- engaging episode of the podcast and that uh, you know the, the the theory is that the more people are personally engaged and motivated mm-hmm. in w- by what they listen to the more they actually engage with the language and it's not just input at that point it becomes intake these are like linguistic terms for Input meaning just the stuff you're you're listening to, and intake meaning the stuff you're really focusing on, and and the stuff that really, uh, you, the when you're really focusing on stuff, when you're really interested in hearing every word, then um, you're far more likely to remember those words and 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 then use them, and it makes language acquisition a lot more powerful when it's when you're fully engaged in what you're listening to. So that being the aim of this i thought well all right i will tell people about my wedding day uh but then i often think should, you know <laughs> should i be doing that should i just give away so much personal information i don't know i'm kind of never entirely sure about that i don't know what do you think am i am i worrying about it too much i think i think it's nice for listen because i love it with podcasts where you learn about the person that who is talking to you yeah yeah i love hearing about their life so yeah mm. 
Yeah, I, I think so. I listen to about 30 different podcasts. Do you? And actually, the more personal they are, the more I get engaged. Mm. Yeah, well, it's true, isn't it? You know, the more yeah. people kind of reveal about themselves, the more uh, interesting it becomes. But I don't want... See, I, what I don't want to do is to create this expectation that I have to share every aspect of my life with my audience, you know? I think yeah. that people respect it. I think they understand that. Uh, but at the same time, I often wonder if, you know, are, are people only satisfied when I'm telling them about myself? <laughs> I mean, like I did one where I talked to... I did. Sometimes it's for comic purposes, to be honest, and that's and I kind of I'm all right with that. Like we went on a holiday to Thailand last year, and uh, one of the things I described in the podcast about that holiday was uh, when uh, we visited a, a, a spa uh, in Thailand. It was actually a Japanese spa, Japanese style spa in Thailand, and there was an onsen, you know, like a, a hot spring. Oh, yeah. And uh, so I thought that my wife and I would have our own private little area where we'd get our massages and there would be like a hot spring that we could bathe in and a private area. And this is my thinking as I was walking in towards, <laughs> like going in towards the changing rooms, I was thinking, oh, well, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be in our own zone. We walked in and uh, we were separated. You know, uh, uh, my wife was like guided into one area and I was guided into another area. And I was like, well, oh, okay, bye. See you. See you later then. And um, uh, got undressed and everything. And they give you like, you're only allowed to take a small towel into the bathing area. The towel is about, well, it's, let's say it's not big enough to wrap around your waist. <laughs> oh, Certainly no. my waist. I feel sick. I couldn't wrap the towel around my waist. And then I realized, oh, okay, so I'm sharing. Oh, uh, oh, okay. All these other people are going to be there and everyone's naked and, and me too. And I'm the only like foreign guy in the place. And so after I'd come to terms with this, I, I decided, well, okay, fine. Nothing to worry about. Stiff up lip and all that. Hopefully the lip will be the only thing that's <laughs> stiff. Uh, well, hey. Hey. And, um, so I, I went out and went into the bathing area and I mean I've just told this story before but basically the whole what what it felt like is you know when a cowboy walks into a saloon <laughs> and they're like new in town and mm. uh everyone stops talking and looks around and the music stops the pianist stops playing and everyone it just looks around the pianist not the pi ah, right. nothing out no not the <laughs> the pianist <laughs> not the pit yeah nothing else uh and um that that's basically what happened like i what i i don't know if i was just being paranoid or if this is genuinely what happened but i felt like everyone just kind of broke off their conversations people just lounging around naked guys lounging around chatting it was like rome or something but not rome and uh they appeared to break off their conversations and have a look at me and you know check me out like in all in all aspects and did they talk to you and say are you luke from luke's english <laughs> well yeah nobody actually said that but i i in the back of my mind i was thinking uh yeah you know that's the sort of thing i was thinking and um you know then i turned to 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 go to one of the bars and like the the first guy who walks past me is a midget <laughs> right. like a, a a midget naked midget as well and you know I'd, not that there's anything wrong with being a midget. I mean, obviously, that's fine. 
but it was quite striking to me when I like turned and they said, oh, midget, naked midget. <laughs> and, I, you know, obviously it did occur to me to check him out and think, is it, is it in proportion or not? <laughs> that was the first question my wife asked me, by the way, when I told her this story. I was like, oh, yeah, everyone was naked. Everyone looked at me and it was really embarrassing. And there was a midget and it was naked as well, which was a bit weird. And like, you know, she was like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And the first thing she said, oh, was his dick a normal size? You know, that was like the first question she had to me. And it's like, whoa, that's the first that's thing you asked me? Um, and um, so where was I going with this story? <laughs> Why did I start telling you this? Uh, oh, no, th- we were just talking about uh, sharing yourself on the internet. <laughs> right. So I told this story about, you know, being naked uh and and all that and and so i have you know let's say uh shared quite a lot uh <laughs> on the podcast i mean i think i i'm more comfortable about that one because i think it's just a funny story and it's you know it's pretty harmless um um telling people about my wedding day i don't know don't know about that and that's why uh i don't feature my wife on the podcast because i just think well she's mine thanks very much and there is, you know what I mean? Like, I don't necessarily yeah, yeah. want to open up all the doors of my house and, uh, you know, reveal all that stuff. And I think I will probably take the same approach to my uh, baby when that arrives. I don't want to necessarily make it all about my, my baby. I don't want to reveal, reveal that stuff. You know, we've said to each other that my wife and I have said to each other that uh, we don't really want to post lots of pictures of the baby on Facebook and things like that and i mean who know, who knows when when she's born we might fall in love with her so much that we will be posting pictures of her everywhere i don't know but at this point i think that um you know probably will won't be doing that i think interestingly uh, um two of my friends had babies at the same time and one of them she posts pictures every single day like there's easily five to six pictures of of her children every single day posted on all social media platforms wow which i disagree with because when the child gets to be 18 how are they going to deal with that yeah Um, but interestingly my friend fiona when she was when she was pregnant, she said, uh, "She said, yeah, I'm not going to be one of these mums who's going to post pictures of their children on the <laughs> internet. And I was like, yeah, whatever. Mm. Um, her daughter's now four years old, and she's remained true to her word. Oh, really? She, she rarely ever posts pictures. If she does, it will be a picture of her daughter, maybe in the garden, but from behind. Yeah. You can't see her face. And actually... Um, as a as a present to me, like when my friend Fiona comes onto the boat to visit, mm-hmm. I'll say, "Okay, do you have one for me?" And she'll pull out her phone and she'll show me a video. Okay, and it's but it's like special photos and videos only for friends. Right, I see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So which I think is a nice way to do it. I mean, you know, I've got friends who publish a lot of uh, photos of their kids on on facebook and you know i sort of think well if that's what they choose to do then that's fine mm-hmm. that, that's i'm not gonna yeah. sh- sort of like shame them about it or anything you know that's i respect their their choice and i don't know if it's right or wrong you know but i just feel like i, I would rather not do that I, uh, I i think about the child when they get to 18 how are they going to cope with the fact that they're going to have hundreds if not thousands of photos of them on the internet that they can't you know that people have shared that they can't stop 
Yeah, I know. But I mean, maybe by the time, you know, kids that are being born at the moment, when they're 18, they might be living in a world in which uh, you just can't control it, that everyone and everything is online. Uh, yeah. You know, that we might have got to that point then. I mean, it seems to be that's the way that things are going. Like, I remember hearing in a presentation by one of my students at school once, like this really clever guy who did this presentation about um, uh, the effects of social media. And he said this quote, which has stuck with me, and it was something along the lines of, don't do anything in your life that you wouldn't be happy uh, being posted onto YouTube. Oh, okay, yeah. Right, and, and and it's quite a scary idea because it means that we now are in a situation where anything we do might end up on YouTube. Yeah. You know, and, and that you have to now live with that in mind, that even when you think you're just doing something uh, in private or you're just even uh, just out in public doing something, like you're going to the pub and having too many drinks and sort of, you know, emerging from the pub a little bit drunk – that someone might be filming it might end up on youtube you can't really control what goes up anymore which i think is a a, 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 it's awful i hate that idea they do say now that if you're applying for a job that you have to be very careful that your new prospective employer does tend to go through your facebook account and twitter to see what you're really like yeah well that's i mean that's stuff that you've chosen to put up you see, I mean, that I can, un- yeah. I'm kind of okay with that because p- as long as people realize that they should be a bit careful about the things they post mm. of themselves, that I understand. But there might come a point where cameras and uh, like video cameras and stuff are so ubiquitous that, you know, everything we're doing is, is basically publicly available. I mean, Google, for example, with their Google Maps project, uh, they they would like Google Maps to become more and more basically a map of the real world. Oh, they're getting people to upload their own photos, aren't they? Right, video. right, exactly. Um, that yeah. uh, that eventually we might get to a position where you can enter people's homes using Google Maps because people have, with the permission settings on Google, people have said, yeah, okay, you can come into my, my house. And... Google Maps will be so sophisticated that someone will just be able to use their camera, just literally wave it around the room. And that will be enough information for Google to create a 3D environment of your uh, house. And then people, I don't know, maybe people wearing VR uh, headsets will be able to come into your room and look around. And it might even be real time. You know, for example, it could be a 360 degree camera that is broadcasting live what's going on in someone's house and other people in the community, the online community can enter with their 3D VR uh, equipment on and just be in your house, you know, looking around. Uh, what about if I'm having a poo? <laughs> well, again, it depends. <laughs> it depends. You know, if you choose to, to put a 360 degree camera in your toilet, <laughs> and people can come in and go oh i see mike's having a poo good good one uh nice structure i like the consistency you know i don't know it, 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 some people i'm sure would love to do that they'd like to be part of a community that compares poo it, there right. is a website called rate my poo exactly it's already there there's a website ratemypoo.com. <laughs> you can check it out folks if you if that's your cup of tea it will uh, help 
to your English. <laughs> well, it might do. You know, if <laughs> if you're a person who wants to talk about poo and you lack the relevant vocab, I mean, you've already had cack on this one, but, uh, you know, you could go to ratemypoo.com and I'm sure you'll find all manner of descriptive language for just that specific subject. Um, but I don't know. The thing is that, like, if it's going to be possible for that to happen then it probably will happen and yes. it, it 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 i imagine it will be a question of permission whether people will choose to let it happen but you know that all it takes is a flick of a switch all it takes is for the wrong person to get in control of that um technology and you could end up with huge invasions of privacy it could easily know. happen cuz especially with permissions on uh, i've noticed like on facebook Every time you do an update, you have to check your permissions because they change the settings. Exactly, yeah. They, they can be very clever about it or mm. they can make it very, very difficult for you to understand the privacy settings. So there, yeah. are, there are ways for companies. I'm not suggesting that companies are intending to do this, but we don't know what might happen in the future. But a company might be able to legally say... In, in the eyes of the law, the company will say, well, there are permission settings that allow users to choose what they publish and what they don't publish. And it's all there in the permission settings. But for a user, just the average user, they might not understand the permission settings. It might not be possible for them to find all the stuff in the menus that the menus might change. And in mm. the end, it might just on a practical level, it might just be really hard for people to avoid uh, publishing all this stuff. And, well, and they might put it in terms and conditions, which they do, which no one reads. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It might just be buried in the terms and conditions. Uh, the, the permission settings will be buried deep within the security settings of whatever uh, the yeah. application is that you're using. And also, it, in the general culture, it might just become uh, more and more uh, acceptable uh, and in fact expected to share all this stuff and and it might you know that stuff that's outside the law just general um uh the cultural consensus might be yeah we share everything and why aren't you sharing all your stuff and it might just be this subliminal thing where people are doing it because they feel like they should do it because of peer pressure which is sort of beyond the control of the law um so you know we've it's it's I'm trying not to be uh, pessimistic about it, uh, but I think that we shouldn't ignore the the potential for this. Or, I don't know, I don't know if it's bad. Because, you know, if, going back to murder again, uh, if, if, if no one has any privacy anymore, maybe no one will, will murder each other anymore. It could be. I mean, the amount of crimes that are being solved fast at the moment... Mm is amazing because you you literally can't get away with it now there are cctv cameras everywhere certainly in england in london everyone is carrying a smartphone right so you notice in a lot of news reports now it's not the press that gets there or the police it's someone literally something happens someone pulls out their smartphone and it's recorded and uploaded right exactly so from that point of view it's great that uh people might find it much harder to commit acts of crime that previously you know they could have got away with easily but it also it's just a question of trust isn't it like mm. we have to put our trust in the 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 people who are in charge of all this stuff 
that also raises questions about artificial intelligence that uh, yeah. as artificial intelligence gets more and more sophisticated uh, and basically will we will it will be in control of everything i mean it already is to an extent because of the algorithms that are are used in um uh, investment banking and stuff a lot of that a lot of the investments in the stock exchange <clears throat> are being done by computer by programs bots, yeah it's robots or computer programs or artificial intelligence or algorithms that are doing all the money marketing stuff the stock market crashed for 20 seconds about a year ago mm-hmm. the the new film was coming out what was it called white house down oh yeah i watched i watched that uh, just the other week i loved really it all oh, right <laughs> it's <laughs> They'd, they'd done a bit of marketing, and it, it was White House down, terrorist attack, da da da. Mm-hmm. And because uh, someone at the White House had retweeted it, because they thought it, they thought, oh great, you know the White House. Mm-hmm. The bots saw that it came from a reliable source, and went terrorist. Uh, was it uh, White House under terrorist attack? It entirely collapsed. Wow! And then a human spotted it and went, no, delete. Wow! So wow! Everything collapsed for about 20 seconds. So, yeah, I mean, uh, a piece of artificial intelligence that, it, that has this responsibility. Yeah, that's the yeah. thing. Like, robots, computers are utterly fallible. Yeah, uh, and like they, us. Yeah, like us. They make mistakes all the time. I mean, if there was a robot invasion or if the technology <laughs> rose up and started to fight against humans, as we see in the movies so many times, all you'd need is like a... Uh, uh, a rainbow umbrella right you just spin the rainbow umbrella in the face of the uh the robots and they would just freeze <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i don't think the logic really works there but something about no, all you need to do is is play the sound of you know uh the pentium sound when your computer sw- switches off what? that one dun, 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 dun. yeah you just play that really loud and they'll freak out <laughs> yeah 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 Yeah. or you as they are advancing towards you you ask them to check the weather and play your youtube video at the same time (laughs) and that will slow them down (laughs) certainly if it's my computer it will or you just press update software update right yeah (laughs) and they'll be screwed they'll be like what what's going on yeah they'll be about to like you know kill the you know they're about to, to murder a bunch of people and then suddenly they'll all shut down like software update required <laughs> yeah just like your playstation when you try and play your playstation after you haven't played it for a while you have to wait for half an hour for all the software to download before you can actually play a game oh software updates Ugh. oh terrible right <sighs> and, and often there's no noticeable difference sometimes the new software is worse than the previous software I, when I fell into the canal, as mentioned earlier on, yes. and, and uh, broke three ribs, I also uh, broke my phone. So yeah. I went into a phone shop and said, "Oh, can you can can I get upgrade?" And they went, "Yeah, we'll get you a, a Samsung A3." And I was like, "Great, okay. Uh, can you transfer the data across, but do not upgrade the software?" I was very specific about that. I said, "Do not upgrade the software because the phone is fine at the moment." But the second you upgrade it, it will turn it into a piece of of caca. <laughs> and after half an hour, I was like, "Has this? Has the soft? Has the? Um, have you transferred the files yet?" And the guy went, "No, I'm just waiting for the the software update to finish." Oh, and you were like, "No!" I did, I did, I did. No, really loud. 
uh, and then I switched on the phone and it was it was practically dead. Oh my goodness! Uh, I don't uh, know. I've, I've got a lot of uh, tech-minded people who listen to this podcast, and uh, I don't know what they're thinking at the moment. So what, what's I wonder what in the community what the general position is on software updates. Um, I suppose it's it's pretty complicated. Probably some of them are good, some of them aren't so good. But uh, yeah, I remember back in the day, there was a period where lots of my friends who had Macs and who worked at the Mac, uh, the Apple store, a few people mm-hmm. I knew who worked there, and they would say to me, "Don't uh, don't upgrade to the you know the next uh, iOS. Just yeah. stick with the one you've got, you know, because it's not good." Or you know, if you've got like an old Mac, I mean, I use Mac. And it's probably a similar story with PC. If you if you have an old Mac and you upgrade to the new software, mm. often that's a bad combination. Yeah. Um, so um, I've, I've got my laptop here. I've never upgraded it, and it's perfect. Yeah. But then again, if you want to use the latest, you know, app on your computer, or you want to be able to do this, that, and the other, you want to download a certain bit of software, or you want Flash to work or java to work on your computer then it requires a certain operating system so in the end you can kind of it's very hard to yeah. uh, if you want to just have a mac that works you're going to have to <laughs> upgrade and i know what a lot of people a lot that that my sort of um tech people out there are shouting in their heads now it's like get a pc and just modify it yourself (laughs) that's what they're all saying just get a pc and just modify it and you can do you don't have to use a mac just use like some other operating system and modify the pc yourself that's the best way yeah but the thing is that i've no idea what i'm doing so i can't i can't do you know i've got i have to i don't have time i've got to make lunch and i've got to record a (laughs) podcast you know i don't i don't have time to build my own pc i'm sorry um surely one of your tech ninjas could do it for you surely they could but uh if if they really liked your podcast yeah if they really liked my podcast they could (laughs) they could send me a laptop which is uh uh specifically tailor-made for me so that i could use it to uh really quickly edit and process audio and video uh, with a nice camera as well with a really top quality hd camera yeah. and all that stuff no i don't know no one needs to do that <laughs> but if anyone you know just happens to have the time <laughs> and the money and uh, sure go ahead and send me that computer if if any uh people working for some kind of technology startup uh, are listening to this and they think well maybe if we sent luke that this computer he might tell the world about uh, about our company i'm open to that <laughs> idea yeah um, sorted sorted indeed um we've been talking for well nearly two hours now which <laughs> yeah. is great you know i think I, we were wrapping up at fi- minute 57 yeah but honestly i think that often you don't get into the really interesting stuff until you've been speaking for a while i'm not <laughs> saying that the first half of this wasn't interesting <laughs> It was, because murder is brilliant. Well, murder murder is brilliant. Don't quote me on that. Um, (laughs) I put that on my poster. Obviously, what I mean by that is that uh, murder is a fascinating subject, which uh, is is, uh, interesting to explore from the point of view of, you know, like uh, understanding psychology and people's actions and all that sort of thing. I don't condone murder, okay, except except for mosquitoes. Oh, little bastards. Hate yeah. them. 
although you know obviously they they provide a vital function in the balance the delicate balance of the ecosystem but if one of them comes into my flat then i will <laughs> find it i will hunt it down and i will kill it do you have a special set of skills i do i have a very particular set of skills <laughs> i am the mosquito hunter in in my flat because you know you're the neeson of mosquitoes i am that's right i don't know who you are but i know that you're a mosquito beyond that i don't know i know you want to suck my blood but uh you know yeah that's right i I will find you i will hunt you down and i will splat you on the wall of my flat they they give such a good splat when they've been sucking blood they do like a bloody little splat on the wall it's really shocking to my wife when i do that because she's like (laughs) oh for two things two things that shock her one the 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 brutal death of a of one of god's creatures not that she's a religious person but anyway the brutal killing of an animal i think is vaguely shocking to her it's sort of disgusting you know she she's a bit squeamish about things like insects and spiders and so you know having a uh yeah she's from she's from paris you know she's not she didn't grow up in the countryside yeah so she's shocked by the by the brutality of it but then also she's shocked about you just stained my wall with our blood and the dna of a of a mosquito uh so i I then have to very carefully mop up the uh the blood from the the world yeah Before we go, can I give a, an interesting piece of information that I learned during my walk? Uh-huh. Yes, please. Re- really, really quick one. It's a skill that I never thought I'd have to learn, but I've learned it very well. Mm-hmm. I can identify different types of drug addicts by smell. What? Yeah. Tell me more. It's a skill that I never thought I'd have to learn, but... Um, Anyone who's been on my walks knows that I do give a little warning at the start that we are going into Soho. It can be quite a dangerous place. And it, and it can be. I've been threatened a couple of times. I've had a, uh, a crack addict try and have a fight with me. So I'm kind of used to it. But at the start of each tour, what I do is I do a little walk around and I, I've got to know all of the drug addicts. Okay. I've I've got to identify them quite well and I know which are the terrifying ones and which are the nice ones. But also I've got to learn ha- how to identify what drugs they're on but just by their their smell. Okay. Is so, is is caca involved in this at all? Caca unfortunately not. It could be. It probably will be soon. Um uh-huh. uh, so um crack addicts have a it's a very uh, caustic smell, very chemically. Mm. So if you, you go near them, you have a bit of a whiff. Uh, it smell. There's no other way to describe it but kind of a very harsh chemical smell. Right. Whereas her- heroin addicts um, have a very sweet smell. Oh, really? Yeah, it's it's kind of like a very burnt molasses. Like so, it's like, like, so like treacle. Treacle, like burnt sugar or or burnt treacle. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, why, do you, why would you say that is then? Why does cracks? Why do crackheads smell of chemicals, harsh chemicals, and heroin addicts th- smell of burnt sugar? I think it's the components of it. I think because both of those drugs, uh, you can ignite them, set fire to them, and then smoke and inhale them. And a lot of the addicts tend to tend to 
because they're often because they're wet as well because they've been outside the smell really clings to them so you can smell what kind of drugs they're on from a, a good distance away wow wow that's that's interesting yeah a useful skill if anyone wants to know <laughs> <laughs> okay and uh, do you find that the the these different types of drug addicts behave in different ways what i've worked out is it's about timing uh-huh. so i do a tour sunday mornings and if they're if they had drugs the night before and they, they're coming down and they they need an up they can be quite aggressive but if they've already taken their drugs a while ago and they're still on the high they can be really pleasant so but Really, it, and and it works the same for heroin and crack. I'm not too sure about heroin. I only know crack at the moment. Okay, so the, I'm not too sure because they tend to zonk out. Yeah, I, I obviously the drugs work in different ways and they have different effects and things. And like you know, I I don't know if heroin uh, wears off more quickly or less quickly than crack. But you're talking about crack, so you're talking about people who've been taking crack that night, and and uh, when you see them in the morning. They might be a bit crank. They might be a bit cranky and bad tempered yeah. because they need another hit. There's there's a lady who you sometimes see on the tour called uh, I call her the the screaming woman. Uh huh. And the screaming woman, oh god, she's terrifying. So one day we were doing. Anyone who's been on my tour knows that murder five that we do is uh, Dutch Lair. So it's the murder of a prostitute about eighty years ago, mm-hmm. and halfway through giving this bit of the tour i was just about to explain about how the prostitute she had her head bashed in with a really flat a flat heavy two kilo iron which splattered her brains up the wall before i could even get to that in the corner of my eye i could see this this five foot four quite slim quite pale jamaican lady walking towards me with a suitcase and that's what i do is i do the tour but in my peripheral vision i'm watching out for danger all the time yeah and I saw her coming up and she interrupted. She said, does anyone have any money? I need money for food. And I said, uh, I don't. Sorry. Do you know the British thing that we, we apologize for everything? I couldn't say no. I said, no, I'm sorry. And sorry meant, can you go away now, please? Yeah, pretty much. But she, to her, in her, her mind, sorry is the worst word in the world. I can't, I, I don't know why. And she lost her anger. She literally went, you're sorry, and erupted in the middle of the street. Wow. While I'd got 15 people on the tour. Oh, God, she was terrifying. But yeah, no, she she's on crack and I could smell it as she was coming down the street. Oh, my God. So was she so angry because she had recently had crack or because she hadn't had crack i I think she was coming off so i think she'd had it the night before but she was desperate for more so yeah so it's i guess like an equivalent would be when someone has not they've woken up and they haven't had their morning coffee in other (laughs) ways people can be a little bit bad tempered before they have their coffee oh yeah Um, imagine that times a hundred yeah yeah and then you see me on a walking tour <laughs> yeah you see you yeah talking about people's heads getting bashed in with with irons oh yeah and she's like never mind that just give me some money <laughs> give me my crack <laughs> wow maybe yeah well it's a skill that i never thought i'd have to learn but i have learned it very interesting Mars, thank you so much for talking to us on the podcast. No problem. Thank you for having me, Mr. Luke. I've really enjoyed listening to you talking about Murder Mile Tours. 
and about uh, Murder Mile. Is it called Murder Mile True Crime Podcast? Murder Mile, yes. Launching first uh, of October. First of October. Okay, I will be putting the links on the page uh, for this episode. I think this is probably going to be two episodes because after talking about the murder stuff, we did um, veer off on various tangents, which is great. I think that's good there was a nice mix in the second half yeah we did had a bit of mix of different stuff so there'll be two episodes i think there'll be the murder mile episode and then there'll be the um the just the rambling tangents uh the 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 waffling (laughs) but uh, i hope to see you soon in the flesh as it were lovely (laughs) (laughs) that is an expression ladies and gentlemen listening if you say hung like a midget (laughs) he's hung like a midget so not that kind of flesh but i mean it, there is there is an expression in English that means uh, in the flesh. Uh, it means when you see someone in in person, you actually see them properly, rather than on a Skype call or something like that. So or in a sauna, <laughs> naked, not, with a midget walking past with his wang out. <laughs> not that kind of flesh. <laughs> well, not yeah, not 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 as much as that. Let's say. Um, all right. Well. Have a nice day on the boat. Are you going to stick around where you are, or are you going to move around? You're going to move somewhere no, else. I'm, I'm literally about to move the boat. So uh, yeah, in about ten minutes, I'm going to be mo- for about three hours. I'll be moseying along on the boat, trying to find somewhere else to live. So okay. Well, I hope you find somewhere nice uh, and you. that you don't get disturbed by rutting deer or uh, foxes having sex with each other. <laughs> it's very anti, very inconsiderate of them to to be rutting uh like that just uh next to your boat couldn't they f- or, or even crack addicts couldn't crack they just... addicts rutting with a deer yeah couldn't they just get a room get a room <laughs> <laughs> all right uh nice one speak to you again soon all right thank you mr luke thank you to luke's podcast listeners as well nice one uh take care have a good day you too bye Cheers, mate. bye All right, then, there you go. That was the rest of my chat with Moz. And don't forget that Moz's podcast, which is called Murder Mile True Crime Podcast, that will be available on iTunes and on MurderMileTours.com from the 1st of October. So if you want to hear about more gruesome and grisly crimes from London's history, check out Moz's podcast um, and you'll get all of that kind of thing there every week. I think it's going to be every week. All right, then. Good. Uh, that's it then, isn't it? That's basically it for this episode. So, uh, what should we do now? Um, I don't know. What do you want to do? You want to do fancy a pint? Yeah. Should we go for a pint? Yeah, I know a nice pub just down the road. We can go and have a. Oh, you don't drink? Oh, okay, that's fine. I think they serve soft drinks. That's fine. You can have a. I don't know, like a, an orange juice. Do you fancy that? Yeah, or tea or coffee, I'm sure. Anyway, it just doesn't matter. Just come come to the pub with us. We're, everyone's coming to the pub now. That's right. All the listeners of the podcast, we're all getting together. We're all going to go to the pub. We're all going to have a drink. It could be a pint of Guinness or just a, a glass of water. Uh, you know, uh, good luck buying water. You, you could go up to the bar and just say, uh, hello, I'd just like a glass of tap water, please. They'll probably serve you because... You know, there will be loads of people in the pub buying drinks, so you'll probably get away with buying tap water. Anyway, never mind all that stuff. Come on, we're going to the pub now, all right? Uh, We'll be in there for, well, I don't know, we'll be in there for about 19 hours, if if all goes according to plan. 
and then uh, that'll be nice. All right, then. Good. So I'll see you in the pub. Okay. See you in the pub, then. All right. Bye. 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 For listening to Luke's English podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.